you can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier, connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation Masterclass. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. That's why we talk about it on this show. Your, your version and what you're going to do with it. For you, it may be the size of your paycheck. Mine is inspiring people to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. And we all know that everybody has a different version of what that very best is. The conversation I have is to allow you to listen to other people's very best and their journeys to achieve their dreams. And all this know about your dreams. They're always moving forward. And that's how you accomplish the, the ultimate prize is to live the life that you really want to live. I always tell people it's time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. People always talk about their gifts or their purpose or lead by faith or, or jumping out on faith. I say if you have a gift, leave with that gift. And don't let your friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. My guest is Alicia Wainwright. A little background on her. Haitian, Jamaican, received a degree in botany at the University of Florida. She also worked in Panama for the Smithsonian. Ah, 
Now, she's an actress who currently stars on the hit Netflix series Raising Dion, which is trending, by the way. Season two, officially on Netflix. The hit Netflix series is executive produced by Michael B. Jordan and Charles D. King, good friend of mine. And it's based on the comic book series of the same name, Raising Dion. Raising Dion, a little background on the show, uh, follows the story of Nicole played by Alicia Wainwright and her son, Dion, Josiah Young, after Dion starts to manifest several mysterious superhero-like abilities. If you saw the first season, she was in, she was tormented by that. You know, a lot of tears flowed for her in that first season. A lot of crime. Two years later now, after defeating the Crooked Man, and he's back. Jason Ritter is back. But we won't reveal any details of how he's played out in the second season. Season two follows Dion as he continues honing his powers with the support of his mom and a new potential love interest that's introduced on the show. But please welcome to Money Making Conversation Masterclass, the incredibly talented, by the way, talented Alicia Rainway. How you doing, Alicia? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for that introduction. Well, you know, Alicia, I got to see you. Um, I saw you know, in the first season, and um, everything's about growth, and all, everything's about natural. But last night, you know, I, I got to see the finale last night. So it was, it was just so happened. I was this weekend. I was like, oh, it, it popped on my radar to start watching. And I, this interview wasn't even scheduled yet. And so I started watching it, and you are a natural I don't know, you know, I won't say complimentary because I don't want to insult anybody at their acting, but there's some, there's a quality about your acting that really seems so net conversational. Can we talk about that and talk about, you know, because you started over here in science and now you're in acting. I started in math and now I'm in into entertainment. Talk about that journey a little bit. And also, what did you hone your acting skills? Um, wow, thank you. I, I would say that... I think one of the benefits I have in my acting career is that it's not my first career. I was able to live a full life, um, with, you know, travel and, and kind of immersing myself in, in the science world. And along the way, I just learned a lot about life. I learned a lot about myself and, you know, some of my peers who were trained very classically in, um, acting and theater, they, have a different set of skills that can maybe give them a different range. But for me, the ability to be like very natural and authentic is probably one of my, like, I don't know. It's like the best I have to offer. But yeah, I, I, I would say that, that having, you know, a life outside of entertainment has absolutely helped shape my skill set. Whereas, um, a lot of my peers, they learn on the job, you know, their life was, was kind of the career that they made for themselves. So they didn't get the chance to maybe travel for pleasure or, you know, have outside interests beyond things that were completely focused on acting, if that makes sense. So where did the acting training come from for you? Okay, we got the we got the education. University of Florida says botany, the life experience in Panama, one of your places where you was at the Smithsonian. Where did the acting start to develop? Was it high school, college, where? Um, so I took an acting class when I was in college. I think it was called Acting One Hundred and One for non majors. <laughs> was and... it elective? Was it an elective? <laughs> 
there was like, you know, it's pretty much, you know, it was an ex, uh, an elective class that I took uh-huh. and the teacher thought I was really bad. And like, it, it would just, it didn't necessarily make me feel like this was something I could ever take seriously, but it was my first real attempt at like, is this something that I like, but I kind of got shot down. Right. Um, and then later on when I ended up leaving uh, the Smithsonian and, and leaving kind of my work as a scientist and moving on to actually wine. I thought I wanted to be a winemaker. And so I was living in Sonoma. I met a, a couple people who steered me towards an acting class uh, in San Francisco at the time. Right. And so I started taking classes there for um, beginners and <laughs> then quickly got a sense of the things that were making me seem very green um, that I just didn't know because I didn't have the education in acting. Um, but it was incredibly impactful to me and it helped give me a lot of the tools I use now whenever I approach, you know, my work. Well, it's interesting because, so uh, I'm just trying to get to the root of the acting, you know, because you took that class, it was a disaster in college. And then you <laughs> over here, we want you're about to venture into winemaking here, and then somehow you take this acting class in the San Francisco area. Was it always in the back of your mind something as a child that you thought about doing? Because I was, I would tell you, like, it, it personally, I, I, I chose this career as a stand-up comedian, but I never thought about that at all in my life. It was just something I went mm. to college, and it fell into my life, and I loved it. Even though I, I pursued, I got the math degree, but after I worked at IBM a couple of years, I went, this is not what I want to do from a creative standpoint. I realized I was boxed in. It feels like mm-hmm. creatively, that's what, was that what drove you to acting? Uh, okay. So when I was maybe five, I was in a um, public grocery store and my a woman had suggested to my mom to maybe take some pictures right. and put me into some kids modeling. Um, but she's a single mom and, you know, carting your kid from Fort Lauderdale to Miami for auditions and stuff. She quickly learned that that's not a kind of lifestyle she was interested in. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had the understanding and the taste of it very early on, but then my mom was like, you know, it's a better use of my money and time to put you in karate and gymnastics and tennis and all of these things. So I had a very well-rounded upbringing that had nothing to do with acting, but I still had that little nugget in the back of my head. So as time wore on, I kept, you know, looking for someone to validate the curiosity I had. And every time I would do that, people would be like, what are you doing? Like you're stay in your lane. And it wasn't until I moved out to the Bay area that like, basically I had to (laughs) pay money for a class (laughs) for someone to look at me and be like, no, wait, actually, I think there's something there. And I just latched on to that teachers encouragement and my peers in the class, their encouragement. And I use that to kind of catapult myself forward. When, when did the light bulb go off for you as far as acting? I'm speaking right now to Alicia Wainwright, one of the stars of an incredibly popular series of Netflix, Netflix calls Raising Dion. She plays the mom to the lead oh. character, Dion and Billy, uh, Billy. It's a very fun take on raising the family. She's parenting uh, a 10 year old. And it was uh, who's now has superpowers. How do you handle that as a parent? You know, when it, when you know that kid can blow through a wall or, 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 or fly around the room and all these different skill sets that this young boy has. So it's a really fun take on that. But I want to say something about your mom. She may not have taken you down between Fort Lauderdale and Miami, but she did set you physically 
in the right way, taking these karate classes, taking these tennis classes, because you're really physical, especially in the second season. Talk about that. I mean, so the showrunner, Carol Barbie, and I have such a great rapport. And initially when the show was first written, before I even became attached, the, the character was a dancer. And for me, dance is not the most accessible skill. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do think I have rhythm and, and whatnot, but like. <laughs> now you got the walk now. You got that walk now. You got you. You got a bold walk about you. You know, like, OK, OK, well, I, I got you. That, I got I you. learned that for the character, you know, uh-huh. and like I, I, I did what I could to infuse the, the feeling that she's, you know, a dancer. But, mm-hmm. you know, Nicole's character has been classically trained in modern dance for many, many years. And that's mm-hmm. just something you can't pick up. Mm-hmm. in uh in a couple months so the showrunner who absolutely felt for me and how hard i worked for the dance she knew that i had always been interested in boxing and and uh you know that sort of aspect of like stunt work and stuff so she was like this is a fantastic way to incorporate nicole more into the storyline because she can be a little bit more defensive and it made sense that if there's a two week two year hiatus between season one and season two nicole would be doing everything she could to be the best version of herself and that includes taking self-defense classes and boxing classes and things like that so it kind of all kind of fell together but yeah i've I've always been a pretty athletic person i ran track in in high school i I mean i run now and, and i picked up boxing later in life but it's such a fun tactile skill. And, you know, if you're interested in action shows and stuff like that, you end up carrying that with you from show to show. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's fun because the reason I liked it, you know, the, the physicality being introduced with you boxing and, you know, cause you are going to fight. And I always, right. I, I always go, okay, where did she get that skill from? Where did, where did that pop up from? Where did that ability to fend off people pop up from? And, but I see <laughs> it when you buy, when you, you, you hitting a bag, you know, you, you look like you're looking athletic. You don't look like a weak mom or complaining mom. Cause the first season and no complaints, you know, you were very emotional. The first season, right. a lot of tears, a mm-hmm. lot of tears mm-hmm. flowed mm-hmm. for you in the first season because you was caught off guard by the, all these skills. You know, the dad was out of this young man's life. What do I do? It was like a classic character going a fish out of water. This is not the life I expected. You know, and mm-hmm. my life has been flipped upside down. That to me was the first season. In the second season, it feels like you understand your life. You're trying to, you're still trying to take control of your life because you're still trying to be a parent to this young budding superhero. But the physicality was brought in because certain scenes require it, and I felt it was uh, authentic. Your thoughts? Well, thank you for saying that. And and I think the showrunner, you know, season one was kind of written as a character, and then right. over time, I in. Inf- infuse myself into season one season two i feel like the showrunner really wrote the show knowing like alicia wainwright's sort of interests and skill set so i think you know season one she is very emotional she is very raw because she has a lot being piled onto her but then season two she has that confidence of a having defeated something that was an incredible obstacle and then two, her kid is living, he's thriving. And so is she, she has a job, she has disposable income. Like <laughs> she's able to provide for her kid in the way that she wasn't even thinking she could do season one. So, you know, in those two years, she's taken so much and made so much more out of it. And I think when 
you know, you have that drive and you have that confidence. It's kind of the baseline for your success in life. And I think you see that at the beginning of season two. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Josiah Young, the, uh, the young man who plays the role of Dion. Talk about him. Uh, I know this is this, he's not on the sh- he's not part of this interview, but he's in part of this interview. Your role in just communicating with him, being a parent, uh, being the, trying to keep structure in an unreal world, and but mm-hmm. also realizing that romance is coming back into your life and dealing with that as a person who wants to expand your emotional life, but the primary emotion has always been your son. Talk about your role with uh, Josiah Young. Well, I mean, Josiah, they found him, you know, (laughs) they, they did a huge nationwide search for, for this character and they found him and he was so raw and so fresh. And I think as the years have gone on, it's been really beautiful to see him, grow and not only grow in his skills, but grow in his confidence and in his understanding of how the industry works. And, you know, he has a great support system in his family. And I think working with child actors, it's really important to have parents that are very hands-on who are very um, encouraging of their kid and creating a safe space because the industry is a lot, you know, especially now with social media and like the things that these kids can read on the internet and the things that they can uh, learn about themselves from people that they don't know. I think you have to have a really strong foundational like boundary system set by the parents to make these kids happy and healthy because it's a lot of exposure, especially now with social media. But, um, you know, being playing his mom has been so much fun and it's just, it's gotten, I want to say it's almost gotten easier over the years because (laughs) as he's gotten more comfortable and he's just kind of dialed in like his professionalism, it just flows very smoothly. That first season was a little hard because it's almost like you're teaching him. So he's learning and then he's also performing. So the weight on his shoulders was just insane. It's an insane expectation to put on one child for six months who has never done this before. And so we try to approach him with like joy and grace and the best we could. But like, I know it was really hard for him. And I know it was really hard for his family to like watch him have that weight on his shoulders. But the season two, he just, he just absorbed it and is just such a little man now. And it's (laughs) kind of, it's kind of crazy to see because it's like, who are you? Right, <laughs> you know, like right. when I met you, you didn't know some of the most basic things. And like, here you are like just kind of nailing it. And he's really honed in his skills. And I don't know, I'm really proud of him. And I'm, I'm proud of the show that we make because at the end of the day, like this is his real life, you right. know, and he's growing and he's learning and he's creating the core of who he is now. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I always, you know, people are always like, it's, you know, never work with kids, never work with animals. But like, I do think like when you work with kids, like, I work with pigs now. Okay. I work with pigs. <laughs> <laughs> but like when you work with kids, you really have to remember like they're little people and the things you do and say around set, they're going to carry with them for a long time. And it's going to shape the way they think about the industry, the way they think about themselves. So as best as I could, I tried to like, you know, 
participate in an environment where he was happy and could thrive and, and do really good work. So well, yeah. I, I, I do hope that that translates on screen, but it does. you it know, does. outside of work, he's just a sweet kid. Well, it, it does because your relationship, you know, at the beginning of the interview, I was just talking about how talented you are as far as the little nuances, especially in your relationship and parenting him. I really believe there is a, there is a uh, mom-son parental relationship there that's played out because you have a your face. You make little gestures in your face with your eyes, with your lips, with your nose. It's you know I'm not saying you uh, you know you you twinkling your nose like you about to make somebody disappear. I'm just saying that you play more into the reality of what's more than what's written, and that is so special. And I always say when I'm watching television, I'm watching a movie, and somebody's making me smile because they've stepped beyond the pages and they're entertaining me. You do that so well. And and, and I, I do see you being, the next 10 years, stay the course, you are a star. And I've, I've been blessed to be able to see this happen over the last 30 years and just to see it on this screen, one episode after the next episode. That's the one thing about binging. Binging allows you to just really <laughs> chart a person's progress through the series, how they develop mm-hmm. characters. And you do such an amazing job. Those nuances, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that's telling you this, when people talk about your future in this business, Alicia Wainwright, what are your thoughts? <laughs> wow, dang. I mean, thank you for saying that. I think that's so generous. What a generous thing to say. I, I would say like, you know, putting your head down and doing the work and not um, doing your best to not let the nose um, make you feel like your dreams are not possible. I think as you climb up the ladder of roles and projects and things like that, it never gets easier. And there's always something higher than what you're doing. And I think I've learned that this feeling will always be there in, in, in my industry. And so if you don't stop and appreciate what's happening to you right now, your entire life will constantly be looking for the next rung of the ladder. And I try very hard to approach each day like it could go away. Right. And this could be the best it could ever get. So that being said, how do you make your time on set the most pleasurable? How do you form these connections? Because you might never see these people again. Maybe the show doesn't get renewed. Like that's kind of how I approach my work because I have seen careers ebb and flow. And and if you can't just roll with it, but continue to do your best work, um, you could find yourself reflecting on your life and your career and and feel like, you know, I, I didn't really enjoy it. And, and I, I do feel like, you know, I've had, uh, ups and downs in my career, but I ultimately am very passionate about what I do and I enjoy what I do. Um, and I think if you keep doing that, you're successful, it's just inherent. And so, of course, I I have big, uh, lofty <laughs> dreams for myself, but I can look at myself right now and feel very satisfied. Well, I'm very satisfied. 
that you are a star. I'm very satisfied to say that and tell that to anybody who speaks. Uh, this, you know, the second season on Netflix of Raising Dion only magnifies what I'm saying because the opportunities are gonna, we're gonna get past this pandemic, and I'm gonna just see one or two, one or two movies and releases, and your name just gonna be all over the Deadline and Variety. I see that, but I just want to talk about a couple of more characters in Raising Dion too. Uh, it's the second season I call it. Is that uh, Rome Flynn? He plays your love mm-hmm. interest, Tevin, and then you, then your older sister just camps herself into your life, player by playing. You, she's so funny because I'm a big fan of her from Ballers, and I, when she walked through, like, that's my girl from Ballers. That's my girl, my girl. <laughs> and uh, so talk about their relationship because it's an enjoyable series. Like I said, it, every episode went like that for me, and I got to the finale. I was thoroughly satisfied, and it sets up for another great third season coming up. They, they've already set it up, y'all. When this episode ends. You know it's the third season, and the character is crazy powerful. So talk about your other two uh, co-stars. So Rome um, came on very late. We almost weren't sure we were going to be able to get him because uh, he was on a a show that kept getting delayed for um, COVID. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we weren't sure it was going to work out, but at the last minute it did. So I actually didn't meet him for the first time until we were on set. Mm -hmm. And he immediately in real life took to Josai and made it his priority to be almost like a real life best friend mentor to him. Mm -hmm. And so that I think so easily made him fit into not only the show's like outside experience with the cast, but also what you see on screen because Nicole appreciates Tevin because of what he offers Dion and how much he cares about Dion. And I think like it would, it just warmed my heart to see how much Rome really took to Josiah and like made it his priority to like spend time with him and, and play with him and, and be his friend. So Rome is a solid one for that. And like really took that on. And I think it translates on screen. And I mean, Jasmine, Jasmine Simon, she is, what what we do on set is how we are outside of set. She's mm-hmm. always she's not she's like a couple years older than me, but mm-hmm. she just has always treated me like a big sister uh, with that big sister energy and is like mm-hmm. giving me a hard time all the time. And I think that you know she's teasing me in this way that only a sister can, and it just really comes on screen so perfectly for how we are in real life yeah, and i think yeah. i think what's uh what's fun about that is is it feels very authentic and we used to, uh, the, the showrunner would joke that like she wants to make a mini series of just you know uh nicole and and her sister kikiing on the couch you know because <laughs> we do get a lot of pleasure out of those scenes well it's, it's, it's amazing like i said the uh the raising dion is season two on netflix uh two noteworthy executive producers on this series names you may be you may know michael b jordan and the incredible producer uh just an amazing african-american guy black guy charles d king how he's just uh, flipped the script on hollywood and bringing tremendous uh, black content to the screen. One of the leaders in bringing black content to the screen, and he's doing it big time. But he needs talent to do it big time. And he's found the brilliant young actress, because she's young, and because she, she has a lot of years in front of her, Alicia Wainwright. Uh, she's Haitian Jamaican. She had a degree in botany at the University of Florida. She worked in Panama at the Smithsonian. Now she is a star in Hollywood. I want to thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation Masterclass, Alicia. 
I appreciate you so much. Thank you for taking the time. Great. If you want to see or hear any of my interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. You are now tuned into the Money Making Conversations Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald. Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald from Money Making Conversations with your daily Minute of Inspiration. This week I sat down with restaurateur, host of Fish, Grits, and Politics, founder and CEO of The Breakfast Club, Marcus Davis. We discussed the importance of trusting your vision even when it isn't clear to anyone but you. I wanted to be uh, synonymous with the city. I wanted to be an ambassador, a reflection of my city, and I wanted the concept to be just as diverse. Uh, I would go into the bank with a business plan and uh, they would ask, who is your target audience? And they would try and drill me down on, no, you got to identify a target demographic. Mm -hmm. And I insisted that I didn't, that I wanted to do something different. Mm -hmm. I wanted the city of Houston to be reflected in the Breakfast Club. If you want to hear this full interview with Marcus Davis, it's available on moneymakingconversations.com. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Welcome to Money Making Conversations Masterclass. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For you, it may be the size of your paycheck. Mine is inspiring people to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. People always talk about gifts and passions and purposes. If you have a gift, leave with your gift. And don't let your friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dream. In a world that is increasingly dependent on technology, STEM, education is very important for the future of our kids and future jobs. And to have basic knowledge of the computer programming that is put forth to us every day via your phone, tech-related skills. Brothers Harold and Hans Van Kohl. That's a great name. Can talk organically about the experience of getting involved with the Limitless Initiative and the KIPR robot simulator project they were helping to spearhead. The organic story of how they were introduced to the Limitless and why they got involved with the project is pretty inspiring. Harold and Hans Van Kohl are founders of their consulting company, HV Unlimited, where they work to help companies get into the gaming space. They're also leaders at Grab Games, a gaming company that creates entertainment in the VR or AR-enabled platform, games in the virtual reality or augmented reality space. Harold is VP creative at, VP creative at Grab Games, and Hans is COO at Grab Games. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation for the very first time. They might be, I might, I might be robotic today after I finish with these guys. Harold and Hans <laughs> Van Cole. How y'all doing, fellas? <laughs> We're doing all right. All right. Well, you know, thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm talking for to a couple us. of USC grads in the heart of Los Angeles. Down there, got a new football coach. You know, uh-huh. I don't know. You know, we're not going to dip too far with that, but just got to acknowledge <laughs> that football yeah. may be back on the campus of the yeah, University of so. <laughs> We were there during the glory years, so, you know, the, the Reggie Bush era. Um, I know, that's so, right. Well, you know, I, yeah. I, so you remember when, uh, when uh, just speaking off cuff, the, the UT game, the probably the greatest football game I've seen in college. Football, uh, the yeah, UT-USC game. It still hurts. Yeah, that, that was, that was <laughs> a brilliant does. game. This is a brilliant, brilliant football game. If you're yep. a fan of college football, it's a game you always will remember. But it, yeah. but you guys, uh, when I say your name, Harold and Hans, it's the Hans Van Cole. It sounds so European. I'm sure you've gotten that a lot, huh, fellas? 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Always, always get asked like, "Oh, are you German?" or well, "How'd you get that name?" <laughs> and uh, they're always, they always get disappointed when I just tell them, "Yeah, they, my parents saw it in a baby book and they liked it." So, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> so Harold, how did you get your name then? What baby book they saw your name in? <laughs> Listen, I, I'm, assu- I'm assuming it's the same thing, um, <laughs> but you know, my my name doesn't draw as many reactions as Fonzie does, so. Um, but, but what does draw reaction is the fact that you guys are in the, uh, you know, we hear the word STEM being thrown out a lot. STEM, they say the uh, the uh, America is falling backwards or uh, behind in the STEM educational platforms. And especially when you minorities or people of color, the STEM education platform almost becomes non-existence. And then we had the pandemic jump all over us and turn into virtual living, which means that you have to have some clear understanding of computer or, or how to use your phone for your child to be educated. And we all know that the footprint for internet is not always available for people of color. So when I say those, Harold, those things, what saddens you the most about what has happened to the minority community the last two years with the pandemic tied to education? Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a big question. I think, you know, th- there's already a, a bit of a divide um, in terms of uh, educational opportunities and kind of what uh, kids have access to. Right. Um, you know, when when I first showed up in high school, uh, I was I was meeting all these people. It was the first time that I'd really gotten exposed to a lot of people outside of my immediate area. Uh, and, you know, they're starting in uh, Spanish too, and, you know, advanced algebra and all these things. And I'm like, man, you guys had those classes at your school and, you know, they had music classes and different languages and, uh, you know, computer courses and all that stuff. And it, you know, it starts so early that those diverging paths, you know, um, and seeing that, there's just different opportunities at different schools um, can really set people way ahead or, or start people, you know, behind the starting blocks. And so when you look at that as a, as a basis, um, it only, the the pandemic only made it worse. Uh, You know, it's, you have these situations where, you know, like I think some like 80%, of, of kids, you know, at or below the poverty line, you know, couldn't even regularly attend their, uh, their remote classes. Right. Um, because, you know, there's situations at home and different things going on. And, you know, the school was a place where one, you knew where your kids were going to be. And two, you had people really guiding what it was, uh, that they were doing. And so, you know, the, the pandemic just kind of widened that because now you're bringing in, you know, what, like you mentioned, what internet do they have access to? What hardware do they have access to? Um, and so you started to see a lot of programs start to come up to try to get hardware into the hands of kids, try to give uh, families, you know, better internet access, uh, cheaper internet access. Um, because unfortunately, you know, economic uh, you know, factors really play into the barriers that that uh, kids have for education. And, you know, we don't think that should be the case. 
Uh, so the the pandemic just kind of widened right. uh, a gap that kind of already existed. Now, now, the gap, when you talk about it, Hans, when you start talking about uh, VR, which is uh, virtual reality and augmented reality, you know, that's if you if you if you're not even on the plane of two plus two is four equal four, then it's, the distance is even more amazing because what you're talking about is what we see in basically in the Marvel movies. You know, is they bring that that life. You know, walking into a store and you see a, a dinosaur standing over you. Because I was fortunate with a contract I had with the Air National Guard to get into the augmented. It is really a it's a three D world that really exists, and I know there's some type of programming now where. I was working with this guy. He was in London, and then on my cell phone, you know, I was able to appear like he was on my front step with me talking. That's how advanced this programming is getting. It's almost getting to a version of teleporting somebody. It's almost like I teleported him from London to my front step, and on my phone, he was sitting right next to me on my on the sofa on my front step. So, how can we catch up, or are we are we fighting a game that we won't catch up with, Hans? Um, I think I think it all starts at really establishing the the knowledge set from a core level with with the the kids that are coming up and the people that are in high school and and going to college. I think the the main the main piece with all of this this technology that's that's uh, you know blowing us away daily is. At its core, it's it's a, a programming language or or some some set of rules that apply across um, across these different technology areas. So, I think more and more people need to understand the um, how critical it is to learn these skills because technology is not going away. Right. Um, as as we as we know, um, everybody is is very dependent on on their phone. And the phone does many, many, many things for us. It makes our lives a lot easier, um, but it's all technology driven. Well, so, you know, it's interesting because you know I'm just I'm you know I'm old school. I, I go back to the Fortran and the Pascal <laughs> programming yeah. days. You know, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm like a dinosaur when I was back there programming versus what they're doing <laughs> today. Hans, when you look at augmented reality programming. What what has blown you away the most about that? What what have you seen out that you can tell my or people who are watching this or people who are listening to this about the future of augmented and why that is so powerful? Well, I mean, it just just in the name itself, it's 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 something that's meant to improve your already existing reality. Right. So, um just there's there's a lot of different projects that that we've worked on, um a lot of which haven't been um, released or that we can't talk about in detail. Oh, really? We, we're gonna have one of the conversations there, huh? We can't talk about it in detail. Hey, man, I mean, uh, uh, Harold, can you talk though, Harold? Can you talk? Because Hans just no, said he can't talk in detail. I'll, I'll give I'll give a little something. Okay, thank you, brother. Something. Thank you. So, I mean, but you know, so one of, one of the projects that we've that we've worked on um, was with the NBA, right? Where um, just being able to improve that NBA viewing experience, right? And, mm-hmm. and one of the things that that augmented reality presents is the ability to deal with volumetric data. So what you were referring to earlier about having a meeting with somebody in London that seemingly was right next to you, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's a that's that's most likely a volumetric capture. Mm-hmm. But imagine being able to do that with a tennis match 
or an NBA game where on your tabletop, you can see the entire court of a, of a Lakers game and all the players are doing their highlights and everything right in front of you. And it's, it's a completely different viewing experience. You shook your head. You still was like in awe. You were like, yeah, yeah. I, I still hadn't figured that out yet, but I'm working well, with some, it. Yeah, sometimes you for like, we, I mean, we've done so much stuff. It's, you know, sometimes you forget some, what some of your favorite projects were and how it's going to evolve uh, the game. Like if you can imagine a team watching film and they got to sit in a room and watch the film, but you know, why not walk onto a court and, you know, you size up the data right. and instead of watching the play, you can relive the play again. Let's step through what each person saw from their perspective. Cause a lot of the times people are, you know, making calls from the stands or from the bench, but they don't see what the players see. Um, and you can go through frame by frame from that player's perspective and just stand there and watch how a play is developing. Uh, you know, that could kind of change the game, but um, when you start to see, you know, you, every, we all know how big sports are um, and, and, you know, leagues like the NBA are some of the most forward thinking uh, in the world. Uh, but, you know, there's always people behind the scenes bringing this technology forth. Right. Uh, and so, you know, like Hans was saying, it all starts with exposure. Right. Um, who's going to be leading that charge? Uh, and, like you said, like you were talking about Fortran and dealing with those languages and we were doing C and C++ yes. and, mm-hmm. you know, React and all this new stuff. Um, but, you know, we had to learn it in our later years. You know, imagine what it would be like if a kid grows up with it. Right. Right. It's no different than uh, when when kids started to grow up with basketball. And right. now we're having these generational talents that develop the, the skill over time you know, the same thing can happen with programming and uh, learning these languages because, you know, when when these kids were taught the game, nobody expected them to evolve the game the way they did. Uh, And when kids grow up with this coding and they start to bring their flavor to it, um, you know, like like we do, um, you know, that's what's going to be exciting and that's what's really going to drive uh, the technology forward, um, and also, uh-huh. you know, elevate our involvement in it, um, because we, the wait is over. The shy returns May 10th on Paramount plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South side. When a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner, Lena Waithe. battle lines will be drawn. Alliances will shift and danger lies around every corner leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. 
So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Consume it and... You know, but we're not creating it as right. much as we should be. Right. You know, re- really interesting. Uh, you know, when I in the early in my college life, you know, I was really into computer science, and you know, and I eventually got my degree in mathematics. Uh, you know, physics had something to do with that. I just couldn't get past physics, guys. Physics was like a real physics problem. Physical thing, yeah. Physics. I, I I could not get to that. You know, the train leaves at one o'clock. And the other train leaves north at two o'clock. What time they arrive? I could never get that exact <laughs> arrival time. So, uh-huh. so I, I will admit publicly, I got one F on my transcript. It was physics. Then I realized, you know, some get out of that. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, math. I went through three. I went through calculus one, two, and three without a book. So I knew math. I was over there fiddling around with something I shouldn't be fiddling around with. But one thing I did enjoy about computer science was that it was like birthing life because you you're taking an idea and you can you can animate it, you can redirect it, you can you can create with it. That was the most enjoyable part of that. You know, the thing about it, when I look at young kids, you know, they look at entertainers, they see dollars, they see big houses. I look at, you know, look at athletes, they see dollars, they big big houses. They don't see the injuries to the athletes or the athletes who don't make it to the dollars in the big houses. So when I went to, so I had to ask this question, is there money to be made in what you guys are doing? Very much so. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think it's one of those things where, um, we call it quiet money a lot of the times, right? Because it's it when you're when, when we're going to meetings and we're meeting people that are behind the scenes at a Facebook or um, like a Google, like those people aren't as forward facing as athletes and entertainers, right? Um, but those are the people that are that are enabling the athletes and entertainers, right? To to kind of put themselves out there, like. One of the one of the biggest revelations that um, we would try to tell people is just like, hey, um, have you ever heard of a company um, called AWS, Amazon Web Service? Right. And most, I think, just recently they started doing commercials for the first time. Right. For the longest time, people that aren't in tech didn't really know what they were, but those guys 
basically control what what is it Harold? about 60 or 70 percent of all the websites that that control that mine all... they control mine okay yeah it's, it's, it's definitely up there as well yeah. as my email blast okay as well as my email blast okay <laughs> yeah but like you said those are the people behind the scenes right like um you know there's no no knock on sports and uh and entertainment but i had a teacher in high school that used to always tell us uh more people get struck by lightning every year than make it to the nba right and so you're you're talking about you know 0.1001 percent right of everyone who plays basketball can make it to to that pinnacle I, level I, I heard, i'm gonna tell you i don't really like that comparison i don't want to get struck by lightning you know i don't want to be yeah, that I mean, one well, you know but, i understand well, it thing, that's a painful yeah. way to realize you can't accomplish your NBA goal. Say, but, <laughs> but you can always say like I, I, i've never known anyone that got struck by lightning right. and that kind of puts it in perspective right, right. like um, you don't even know someone who knows somebody who's gotten struck by lightning. <laughs> right. So, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of the times that's kind of what's fed to, uh, to our communities because that's what they see. Uh, you know, it's, it's part of the, it's a part of the persona, uh, of an entertainer or an athlete, um, to show that stuff. It's part of the character. It's part of, you know, what they have to sell, you know, and that's all cool. I mean, Ooh, I have a crazy sneaker collection. I love the stuff. There's artistry in it. There's all this stuff and people kind of bring their style to it. But, um, you know, the, the biggest, the most outwardly facing tech person that we have right now is probably Elon Musk. Right. Um, because he, he sort of understands. And he smoked weed and he smoked openly smoke weed. Right. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> but, but what people, what we're trying to push is, you know, there's a lot of people in tech that make great money. Like, you know, you look at the owners of most of these teams right. and a lot of them made money in the dot-com Mark stuff. Cuban. Mark Cuban. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah, like own Cisco and Google and mm-hmm. like all these different teams, like people's favorite teams, fa- right. favorite players play for teams that these people own. Right. Um, and then you look at the the Forbes list every year, who's the most richest people, you know, telecom people, old money, but there's a lot of people in there that are, are new money, right. new tech money. Right. Um, and so it there's, there's a lot of pieces to that pie. Absolutely. Uh, and all it takes is, uh, is it like, like we said, exposure. Um, but you know, we, we understand too. We were kids once, um, you know, we're watching Michael Jordan on TV and we're watching the shoes that he wears and we want the shoes. Right. Um, so, you know, there's something to be said about how it's presented. Right. Um, when we were growing up, it's like, Oh, the nerds with the coding and the computers and all that, uh, it's not so much that way anymore now. Um, but, you know, there's something to be said about that presentation. So, 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 Harold, how can I change that? How can I, how can I make y'all cool, man? How, how can I make y'all, you know, the, the, the life of the party? Are, are y'all already <laughs> the life of the party? I just don't see it, hard. Well, yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, I think, I think that that piece, <laughs> it's, it's a lot, a lot of that is happening. Right. But, you know, the people don't know what they do. Right. And I think, I think a lot of what, what Harold and I are trying to do is to at least. Get more, get more exposure to 
to to this space, mm-hmm. um, especially to to kids at a young age. So they so they grow up with it instead of trying to learn it in in college, saying like, "Hey, I have an app idea, but I have no way of building it." Right. Let me let me try to take classes to to be able to do stuff. Understanding it at a base level, just like we understand English at a base level, is is what we what we need to to have, especially for for our community, because you know we 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 clearly drive a lot of a lot of uh, progress on the on the pop culture stage, just in in society in general, and just being able to to further establish ourselves in an area that we don't have to go outside of the community to get stuff done. That that'll just make make things skyrocket even more. We'll be right back with more money making conversations masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Now let's return to money making conversations masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Well, you know, it's really, really, I'm very serious. When I talk about because marketing and branding is what I do. You both, you guys are good looking guys. I could actually interview you guys individually because y'all both were very articulate, very got something to say, as they say. You know, y'all not one word answer guys. You know, especially Harold, he loved to talk. Harold could talk now. You know, <laughs> huh, he might like he might drift off a little bit, but Harold can talk. Okay, y'all. And, uh, and but uh, you know, so so when I look at y'all, you know, we had Venus and Serena Williams. You know, they they were two mega stars in tennis, and they leaned on each other for success. They they had somebody to turn to in a very st- a world that stereotype uh, black people. You know, they went into environments that said, okay, you're here, but we're only accepting you because of your talents as an athlete. And you guys are walking into an environment that's very stereotype driven. You know, you and some people people are really say you're not supposed to be there. Or if you're there, they don't expect you to be able to deliver the goods. How do you deal with that? And is it because is there success a lot of your success tied to the fact that you are siblings? Well, I mean, the the so the first thing I'll say is the one thing that I like about this field, it, it a lot of it is merit-based, right? Can you do it or can you not do it? Mm-hmm. And if you can do it, then a team will accept you with open arms because you're able to solve a problem that they need solved. Right. So um, that's, that's what kind of driven a lot of uh, Harold and I's um, work ethic. We're just like, Hey, let's, let's figure out how to learn this stuff because we can just walk in and and instantly contribute, right. and and we'll be we'll get the respect that we need. Yeah, and and, and also you know, but I heard Harold and I, I though, you know, what I'm saying that's something that sibling, that ability to reach back and look at somebody who had your back or be able to communicate. Do you see what I see? Do you hear what they're talking? And being able to turn to somebody and go, hey man, let's go, let's go get this straight. Let's show them what we can do. You know, oh, you know, I mean, you know, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Because I heard him say Harold and I, and that's why I was just talking yeah. about Venus, Serena, Venus and Serena had each other's back when people told them they couldn't do it. And, you know, I know you say the word merit base. They were, the, they were number one and two in the world. They, in fact, reached the finals of Grand Slam, all four Grand Slams in one year. They were in final and they were saying that they are going to ruin tennis. Because they're too dominant. So every people, everybody always has an excuse. And so, and I'm not saying there's no excuse in there, but what always frustrates me is that, you know, when you're a minority, the rules change. 
you know, the rules started sliding and the acceptability and the credibility and your accomplishments can be watered down. That's what annoys me. And so when I when I had an opportunity to interview you guys, I, I jumped at it because you're the you're the you're the future stars. You're the you're you're the you're the space cadets. You're the you're the you know you're, you're our today's hidden figures that need to be moved to the front of the line. Cause when you was talking because I have been fortunate to see a version and live a version the last three years of what you guys are doing. And I'm stunned. I was actually stunned when this guy was sitting next to me on my phone next to me on my front porch. And I knew he was in London. And so a lot of people can't wrap their head around there. Harold, how does that work for you guys being siblings? Uh, well, you know, it's funny that you bring up Venus and Serena and then, you know, that, that movie King Richard just came out. Uh, and you know, it, it starts with the parents, right? The the parents kind of set us up, um, and, and gave us these opportunities, but we were always really competitive. Um, I know a lot of siblings really butt heads a lot. Um, and we did just in a competitive way. Uh, we'd be playing video games and, and getting into it, who's winning. And, you know, somebody would start winning for a week. Then that other one is going to go, go in the lab, you know, <laughs> try to get better. And, you know, so we kept elevating each other through our competition. Uh, and then, you know, it, it was much easier for me because Hans was, you know, the prototype. I got to watch him. It's like watching myself two years ahead. Right. Um, he would go through things and go, you know, high school, college, the process, like all of the, those different things, um, you know, he went through and I was always right there and I could sort of see what was going on and I could sort of follow in those footsteps and I can get through much easier because it's always much easier to do something the second time than it is the first time. Um, and so, but we, we also work well together, right. like things that I'm good at, he's better at things that he's good at. I'm better at. And we, rather than kind of diverging, we kind of use that, uh, to, to help elevate each other and, and bring that, uh, you know, into the places that we work, you know, it, it just, people always take a liking to us. We're always together and we're always trying to just produce the best product, try to do the best at whatever it is that we're doing. Um, but a lot of people don't understand, you know, going back to what you were saying that, you know, they don't understand how great we have to be. And I say we, as in, you know, people of color, mm-hmm. uh, especially in industries like these, like you have to be great every day just to get, uh, you know, just to get the the credibility that people get for, you know, being regular. Right. Um, and, and that pushes us a lot too, mm-hmm. uh, because one, when we run into issues, we, we kind of know, uh, how we have to prepare that next generation. And we think that's really important. Um, but also, you know, we're able to see things from multiple different perspectives. Right. Uh, and you know, we have friends in the industry, um, people of color, and we've had, we've all had these discussions and we can see what they're dealing with and they see what we're dealing with and even people we work with. Um, and so we know how, how important diversity is. And we try to foster a work environment where, you know, that isn't the case. Um, so when you have a person of color at a company, that's a COO and you have, you know, uh, people all throughout the structure, 
Um, Because getting getting people of color into these companies is the one thing, but how far up do they go? Right. Um, And so that that's been a mission of ours. And we've had the full support of, you know, our CEO, our board, um, and they give us the opportunity to just do what we do, but also to to help bring others up as well. Uh, And so, you know, that's that's constantly the mission um, is to to kind of expose that and when people see us as a team um you know one you know they're always surprised that brothers can work so well together but also it's just another person that made it right that that's doing what it is that we do um and we can spread our wings further that way um, rather than trying to hold each other back wow i'm talking to harold and hans they are the, like I want to say, two dominant voices in uh, the augmented world and also the virtual reality world. Hey, guys, you know, I, I just want to say, man, this this interview is a it's a good interview for me. But it's, I got to bring y'all back individually because of the fact that y'all stories are just uniquely as the pairing of you guys being siblings because your journeys are different. Like I said, two years separate you, but it also tells a different tale of how you approach this whole world, you know, but the, but the join at the hip thing, that sibling thing is powerful, man. And don't let nobody break it. But more importantly, I'm, I'm just happy you guys took the time to come on Money Making Conversation Masterclass because what y'all doing is something that I have a, I've lived all my life. Sometimes when I tell people I have a math degree, if I tell people I got a math degree today, they go, whoa. So I know what I've accomplished in my past still carries a lot of weight 40 years later. And right. so, and with that being said, you guys are in the middle of it. My daughter, she's, uh, her degree is going to be in game design. So I'm going to, I'm going to get to watch her venture into your world and also mm-hmm. get her to hopefully become a star in your world because she know daddy don't, don't, don't play the stereotype game. You know, I'm right. I'm a, I'm right. a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a break through the glass ceiling type guy. I do it through, um, diplomacy. I do, but I do it through also being organized and have a plan of action. You guys have done it with your plan of action. I want to thank y'all for coming on Money Making Conversation. Man, y'all are incredible, by the way. Yeah, and you know it, it's cool that you say that too. Um, there's a lot of people that we've we've dealt with. Um, you mentioned uh, Kipper and Limitless at the beginning of the show, and right. that's kind of what started uh, to drive this mission even more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were showing some. Uh, we got called in to show some kids some virtual reality stuff. Uh, right. Some of the games that we were working on. Mm-hmm. And we walked in and we see a, a team of kids, um, you know, in this limitless program and they're all coding. And I'm talking like second grade, third grade, right. fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're coding. And, you know, we were learning about these kids and we were more amazed <laughs> by them than they were by us. Right. And we're watching these kids. They've been entering these robotics competitions getting better every year mm-hmm. uh, and they're using this, uh, the Kipper curriculum. Um, and we're like, yo, how do we get this to more people? Right. You know? And so uh, we started working with them to, uh, to build this robot simulator that can teach a kid how to code without being in a classroom. Right. Right. We, we know kids are playing video games. You, you say your daughter's in the game design. She, I, I'm pretty sure she, she plays video games. Absolutely. And if that's what's <laughs> getting I mean, kids involved, right. Then mm-hmm. we're like, how can we pull in this curriculum, mm-hmm. you know, put the medicine in with the candy 
mm-hmm. and teach them how to code was something that they want to do anyway. So now we're not chasing them to go into a classroom. Right. You know, we're saying, hey, just play this game, you know, play with your friends, play online, go through uh, these missions, go through these challenges, go through the story. Mm-hmm. And before they know it, they're solving problems right. coding, right? And so this this robot simulator that that we're uh, working on, that we're raising money for, we think, and it's specifically targeted, uh, you know, to people of color, inner city kids, right. uh, you know, make reducing that barrier mm-hmm. to entry so that people understand like, hey, this is going to be like a second language to them. Right. Just like social media, like kids growing up with social media, mm-hmm. they can run circles around, um, the Me. older people trying Me. to be on social media, right? <laughs> um, so if we can get this simulator into these schools, into people's hands and have kids go through this curriculum without necessarily realizing they're going through a tried and true curriculum, mm-hmm. then we feel like we can start to to plant the seeds yeah. uh, in our communities and, and kids are going to, you know, grow these skills and, and really uh, start to increase our uh our power in this industry our presence in this industry absolutely um and so you know if we can get more kids in tech more kids in video games and we'll be able to tell our stories and uh create the tech of the future so you know when we still read about oh you watch this stream or you watch certain things or you do certain things like oh that was created co-created by a black person or that was created by this person, like you said, the hidden figures. Right. Um, and, hey, know, hey, 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 hey. Are, are you just going to let Han talk, man? You talk for three straight minutes. I just what I said. I told him he could talk, boy. And he about hey, to go I on. on. He's he, he about to go on, on but, but I appreciate it. About to, I got to bring y'all by separately. Han, I want you to, I want you to, to, you wanted to say a couple of things because Harold, that motivation and inspiration. Let me tell you something, man. You know, I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I went, I went, I graduated from high school in 1976. Okay. And so, it took me seven years to graduate from college because I didn't know what I wanted to do. When I look at my daughter in game design, she doesn't listen to the music I listen to. She can care less about dancing. She can care less about being social. She's focused. She can care less about the, the, walking around in tailored clothes. You know what I'm saying? She, she, mm-hmm. she her phone works. Her, she got, uh, she got, uh, you know, a Surface. She got an iPhone. She got a, a, a laptop that she does all her game design, and she has a MacBook. So she got all the technology. So she's happy as she can be because she, mm-hmm. she can do and edit and everything. But the number one thing that when you look at these things, Han, you know, when you when you realize that you you've been you stepped out into a world that was so different than what was expected of you, what makes you smile? I mean, just, just being able to enjoy like what, what, what you're doing, like at the, at the core of all of this right now, it's like, I grew up playing games. I love, I love playing games. Uh, it's, it's an escape, but it's also uh, an avenue for problem, like learning problem solving, improving yourself, keeping your mind sharp. And I think it's getting to the point where more and more of the mainstream is realizing the benefits of that kind of interaction. And the fact that we can use that as a, as a way to teach people at a younger age that there's value in this and that it can be valuable from a fun standpoint and it can be valuable from a career standpoint. Being able to go to work and enjoy what you do 
and be able to share that with people on a on a grand scale it's just exciting and you know just being able to take the work hat off and then still enjoy <laughs> enjoy that that piece right from a from a just i'm just relaxing and, and just want to want to escape for a bit right it's great. Oh, you know, guys, I'm talking to, um, if you want to put a sports comparison, I'm talking to the Michael Jordan and LeBron of what they do. Just you put, a, put the right hats on it. Because, see, I'm a, as I wrap up, see, I hate when people, when I meet people like these two guys, they say, you know, we, we were just playing video games. I'm just doing what I love. I'm going to tell you something. I could play video games, but it reached the point where my skill set, love wasn't going to keep it going. I just had the skill set, and I didn't have it. So I always have to push people back like you two and let y'all know how brilliant y'all are and how different y'all are. Y'all can be in awe because at a a young age you're seeing, what if I could have done that at their age? What I could have been at my age? That's the awe part that y'all are. But what's making it possible is that they can see y'all, y'all, y'all in results now. So I didn't have an end results like you guys when I was playing games. I didn't have a Hans and a Harold to go, man, I can be like those two guys. Look at them. Wow. They look just like me. So know that when I say that, I don't say that in a, in a joking manner. I'm just labeling y'all correctly, man. When you stand out in the field that separates you, when I look at that, I look at uh, LeBron on that tonal commercial, Brother, 38 years, my, my body didn't look like that at 38. Come on now. Y'all body probably don't look like that now, okay? Let's go and be real. You know, Jordan, you know, he still has the most popular shoe, basketball shoe out there, Michael Jordan. He's mm-hmm. almost 60. And so being relevant, and uh, I just want to tell you, man, do not undersell y'all brilliance, man. You guys can share that little corny story that we just doing what we love. Nah. Y'all have went beyond doing what you love because love, I, I love to play video games, but it hit a, I hit a wall with my talents, just like I hit a wall with my talents with physics, and I had to go to a different direction. God gave y'all a gift, man, and I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a stick with y'all, man. I'm going I'm to stay in communication with you guys because, brother, I want to be there when y'all start breaking the next ceiling of opportunity for people of color, my daughter, everybody, because y'all are the next stars, man. Y'all the next future. You know, when y'all get 50, man, you know, y'all, 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 they're going to have award shows with y'all, with trophies with y'all names on them, okay? Oh, I appreciate Looking forward to it. Now, hopefully, hopefully, you know, the people that are giving us those awards are people that we've helped get to get. Oh, don't further. worry, brother. Don't worry. Don't worry. Harold, Harold, I'm telling you, you know, you know, my life has been interesting, man, because, you know, I, I had a birthday the other day and, um, you know, I, you know, people always text me, man, thank me saying what I did for their lives, what they like, how, how I made a difference. And, they, and I was just being Rashawn, you know, just like I'm being Rashawn with you guys right now. I'm going to tell you how I think. You can take it however you want to take it, but I'm telling you the truth. Stop acting like y'all regular. Be the stars who y'all are. Y'all are doing stuff, man, I can only just admire. I can't I can't even comprehend. I can pick up this phone. I can dial it, but I, y'all can take this phone and do something else with it, and I go, really, that's the same phone I got? Wow. So I'm just telling you, exercise your brilliance and don't let it be undersold by anybody, even in an interview. And it's, and it's a thing I do I call bragging, acknowledging your greatness. Continue to acknowledge your greatness, fellas, because y'all are very, very special. Thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation Masterclass. I appreciate y'all.
You've been listening to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rushan McDonald. Always remember to lead with your gifts. Money Making Conversations Masterclass is a presentation of 3815 Media Incorporated. You are now tuned into the Money Making Conversations Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald. Hi, I am Rashawn McDonald from Money Making Conversations with your daily Minute of Inspiration. This week I sat down with the host of First Take, Stephen A's World, and the new co-host of ESPN NBA Countdown, Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A emphasizes the importance of not letting self-doubt halt your opportunities towards achieving your dreams. I was actually reluctant and hesitant to write my own book for a very, very long time. I literally said, although I had a national television show that's been number one in the morning for nine years and counting, I literally was saying, why would anybody want to read a book from me? And so many people came forward like, what the hell are you talking about? What's wrong with you? Everybody needs to hear your story. Everybody needs to hear what you endured, what you had to experience, what you had to go through to get to this place that you're here now. If you were to listen to this full interview with Stephen A. Smith, it's available on moneymakingconversations.com.